0: Guys, we're in lesson 11. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Now, this lesson is going to sound somewhat familiar, but it actually grows out of what we've studied before. And what I mean by that is this if you remember, when we looked at the first half of Ephesians chapter 3, we were in chapter 2. And I talk to you about who you used to be before Jesus, what the Bible describes about you before Christ. Does everybody remember that? Now, what we're going to do now is, is when we get into chapter 4, chapter 4 is the practical. Chapter 4 is basically telling us how we are to live based upon what we studied ...in the first three chapters. So now we're getting into chapter 4. We're going to look at just three verses today, 17 through 19. And we're going to talk about the nature of the old man. Because what's going to happen is, is now Paul is going to tell us not to live like the old man. He's going to tell us not to live like we were before knowing Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he's going to go into some details about that today... And so I want you to uh, notice with me, we're going to look at verses 17 through 19, and then we're going to talk about these things together, because there's an encouragement, and then we're going to see what the nature of the old man is. So, notice with me. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. Okay, so first of all, let's notice the encouragement here. Let's notice the encouragement. The first thing I want you to notice is, is Paul speaks to his readers with the authority... Of Jesus Christ. Notice the very first part of verse 17. And this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. He's now talking to them. He's not just giving them a suggestion. So you may want to write that down. This is not a suggestion. He's telling them that he's speaking to them based upon the authority of Jesus Christ. So this is something very important for you and I to pay attention to. This is something that deserves our attention, that deserves action on our part. That's what he's trying to say to them here. He speaks to his readers with the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what he's telling them to do. Here's what he's telling them to do, folks. Paul tells his readers not to live their lives as the rest of the Gentiles do. He tells them not to live their lives as the rest of the Gentiles do. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Let's talk about that for a moment. Okay, first of all, let's remind ourselves, who are the Gentiles? Anybody? Okay, us. And why are we considered Gentiles? Because we're what? Because, because we're not Jewish. We're not part of the chosen people. We're Gentiles. We're separated from God, if you remember. But those of us who are Gentiles who have become Christians now, he is saying to us that we need to live our lives not as the rest of the Gentiles do. So, that really is a significant statement because what he's calling us to is a separateness. Now, let me just stop a moment. As soon as I said that, some of you are going to be thinking in your mind, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, George. You brought up that word. Separateness. Because you've heard that before, and when you heard that before, it was like you can't go to a certain place to eat, and you can't go to movies, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. That's not what we're talking about, folks. It's something completely different. In fact, when we look at the nature of the old man, he's talking about how you live your life. He's talking about how you live your life. Because there's a whole lot more to live in your life than what restaurant you choose to eat in. Isn't it true? There's a whole lot more to live in your life than what movie you watch. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a whole lot more to live in your life than that. He's talking about your whole person here. So what he's telling them to do is don't live your life as the rest of the Gentiles, as unbelievers do. Don't be motivated, don't be activated, don't be captivated by the things that they are. Live your life in accordance with who you are. And he's telling us this by the authority of Jesus. Now you're saying, okay, wow, okay, so what does this mean that I can't do what they're doing? Well, let's take a look, because he's going to tell you why. Look with me at verse 17. The very last phrase tells you one aspect of how they live their lives. How they walk. In the futility of their minds. Now here's what he's saying here. First of all, they're futile in their thinking. Paul tells his readers that the Gentiles live out of the futility of their minds. They live out of the futility of their minds. What he's saying about them is this. He's saying that you're not to live as the Gentiles live because the way they're living, how they live, is basically coming out of feudal thinking from their part. Now, let me explain to you what that word "feudal" means. The word futility suggests being void of a useful aim or goal. That means that they don't Basically, they're thinking the way that they're operating is void of a useful aim or goal. Now, let's just stop. Before we go any further, some of you are saying, oh, come on, George. What do you mean by that? What do you mean that they're, they're, they don't have a purpose? No, no, no. Let me just stop for a moment. We're going to talk for a moment about what true purpose is and what other purpose is. They are living their lives... Focused on an aim or a goal that really has no meaning. Because there's something that takes a priority in the life of a believer and gives us true purpose. This is why he's saying they're operating out of the futility of their minds. Think for a moment. Think about folks that you know who don't know Jesus. They're living in accordance with what they want. Is that not true? Is that not true? That is how a Gentile thinks, in accordance with what they want. Now, let me just stop for a moment. So the encouragement here is that you don't live your life the same way, because you you need to recognize that you have a higher purpose. Your life isn't your own. You have something that's much more going on. In fact, here's what I want you to see. Here's the overall summary. Unbelievers do not have a true purpose in mind to receive God's revelation. This is what's going on here. See, they don't have a true purpose in their mind that everything is focused around the person of Yahweh, or God, and Jesus. So this is what he's trying to say to them. Then he gets into verse 18, and here's another aspect of their life. He says they have a darkened understanding. Having their understanding darkened is what it says there in the scripture. Look at what, here's what I want you to see. They're unable to understand. They're unable to understand. Now, again, let's not take it to an extreme and say, what do you say, George? You say that everybody out there who's not a believer is an ignoramus? Are you saying that they're dumb and they don't? I mean, come on! What are you talking about? They look at us like we're dumb! Listen, they don't have a true understanding. Their understanding is darkened. All right, their understanding is dark. Now, what do you mean by that? The unbeliever's mind is unable to receive God's revelation. How many of you listen to me? How many of you have friends who have read the Bible? Maybe they've even read the Bible more than you have, and they do not see what you see in the Bible. I mean, I mean, see, uh, yeah, a lot of us. I remember uh, listening. I listened to NPR. And I was listening to NPR, this would be a few years ago, and there was a lawyer on there for PETA. Everybody know who PETA is? People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, you know. Well, anyhow, this guy said he got on there and he read the entire Bible. And I believed him. He was a lawyer. He, he read the entire Bible. And here's what he said. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. Now, how can a guy who has that much education read the Bible and not get it? Well, I can tell you exactly how he can not get it. Why? He's unable to receive it. His mind is darkened. His understanding is darkened. In fact, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Because I can tell you, even from my own personal testimony, the valid validity of this point. I became a Christian at 19, engineering student at the University of South Carolina. There were many times, even though I wasn't raised in a Christian home, there were many times that I read the Bible or read parts of the Bible. Because I can remember when I was in fourth grade, them giving us all a Gideon's New Testament in in elementary school. Now, they wouldn't dare do that now, but back then they did do that. Okay? And so I remember getting it and reading it. But I'm going to be honest with you, it made no sense to me. The Gospels made no sense to me. Not at all. Even as I progressed, it wasn't really until I became a believer and my eyes were opened by the Holy Spirit that the Scripture then began to what? Open up. It makes sense. Yeah, that's right, Rob. It makes sense. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, you can say, yeah, you, you've experienced that in your life, too. Especially as you're older. Now, when you're a child and you come to Christ, that you really don't see that. But if you're an older person, you know I'm saying? Like, I'm a first-generation believer... You can see the sense of what's said here. And so what Paul's saying is, look, don't live your life like they do. They're futile in their thinking. They don't have any aim or purpose that's focused on God. And their understanding is darker. They don't see what you see. Let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. How many of you, when you watch the news and they're talking about Israel, you see it. You understand it. You grasp it. These are God's people. Wow, man, wow. you know. But then when you listen to everybody else talking about it, you're like, why can't they see it? Why, why don't they grasp what God is doing here? Here's why, folks. Their understanding is darkened. Do you understand what I'm saying? Their understanding is darkened. Here, let's go on now. He's going to talk about them being alienated from the life of God. Here's what he says, being alienated from the life of God. Here's what he said, alienated means separated. First of all, alienated means separated. So they're separated from the life that God wants them to have. Now remember, when we think back based upon what the foundation is in our life, that totally makes sense because for you and I, before we became Believers in Jesus Christ, remember what Paul said, that we were what? Dead to Him? That is, relationally dead to Him? We were separated from God before Christ. So it only makes sense for us to recognize that what? That unbelievers are separated from Him. In fact, here's what I want you to see. They have no part in the life that comes from God. They don't have any part in His life that comes from Him. None. None whatsoever. No part that comes from him. And then here's look at verse eighteen. Here's the other part of it. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Here's what I want you to see. First thing is, is that they are ignorant of who God is. They're ignorant. Now, here's the thing. You can listen to people, and you'll hear different definitions of God today in our culture, in our pluralistic culture. Now, does everybody understand? Just, we've got to kill a myth here. We are not a Christian nation anymore. We are a secular nation. Does everybody understand that? Okay. And because of our secularism, we are a pluralistic nation. What do I mean by that? We have many faiths. Now, in the United States. Many that are homegrown. You know, what do you mean by that? When you have an individualistic society, you have people that come up with their own concept of who God is, and so they create what their what their own belief is. Do you, you understand? It doesn't match anything else. But their concept of God is this. Period. And that's the nature of a, of a free society in which we live in. So you really can't get upset about that you understand? If you enjoy the freedoms that you have, you need to not get upset about that. That's no threat to you, folks, because that's not going to take away your faith. But what does that all represent? We live in a culture, what, that's ignorant of who God is, because we've got so many different views of who God is. In fact, even at your work, isn't it true that even at your work you've got so many, I mean, they could even be from the same church, and they have a different view of who God is, because some would see Him as a condemning God. Some will see Him as a God who doesn't do any wrong. Or, first of all, He can't do any wrong. But I mean, He doesn't do. There's no way that He would allow anything bad to happen. God is just pure love. He would never allow anything bad to happen to me. Or some would say God is just. He set everything in motion, and pff, He's out there somewhere. He doesn't have a part in our lives. Some would say He's not even a person. Did you, do you you understand what I'm saying? So, the way the Gentiles live, he's pointing out to us that they're ignorant of who God is. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the last point. They're spiritually blind. And here's what I want you to see. Blindness can also be translated hardness. The word there for blindness can also be translated into hardness. Meaning hardness. So, what's happening here is he's saying... What is he saying when he's talking about them being hard? Well, here's what he's saying. They are insensitive to the things of God. The things of God don't mean anything to them. They can't see it. They're blind. Their hearts are hardened to it. You see it. You're moved by it. They couldn't care less about it. You know what I mean? They're insensitive. They're desensitized to to God. So therefore, because of that, they're unable to respond to God. You know, you can put this down in your notes. This is a good cross reference. Second Corinthians chapter four. The apostle says this. You know, the question is he's answering a rhetorical. He's answering a supposed question from out there. Well, that must mean that our gospel is veiled. And he says, no, our gospel isn't veiled. We're not hiding our gospel from people. What's going on, the reason why they're not responding, the reason why they don't come to the true God is because he says what? The God of this world has blinded their eyes. So that they can't see the gospel. The God of this world. Who's the God of this world, folks? Satan. He's blinded their eyes so that they can't see the true gospel. They can't see it. So he's basically what? He's hardened their hearts. He's desensitized them to who God is. Now, verse 19 then tells us what the practice of this old man is. Look with me, verse 19. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So let's talk about, first of all, their condition. Condition. Paul points out that unbelievers have lost all sensibility. Now, before you go and tell the guy at work that you're trying to witness to who's rejecting to you, well, you know what? My pastor tells me you're whacked out. That is not what we're talking about here. When we talk about sensibility, we're talking about sensibility with reference to what? The purpose and the things of God. First of all, don't ever say something like that. That's never going to get you anywhere talking to anybody. Alright? But the point is, is he points out, that they've lost all sensibility concerning God. Concerning who He is and what He wants. You understand? They've lost all sensibility concerning that. He goes on and he says this. Believers have no feelings concerning their degenerate state. So this is, they're, they're not, they've lost all sensitive sensibility towards God but they really have lost all sensibility concerning where the, what their true nature is. so what their true nature is is there's problems there but they don't see it. Here let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How many of you know somebody who's struggling with an addiction? A, a lot of us do, right? And maybe even you have struggled with an addiction. Here's what happens with an addiction. At first, with an addiction, a lot of times, you, you, you don't see it. You don't see it. And everybody else sees it. But you don't see it because you think you're in, what, control. They don't see it. They don't see it. In fact, they make excuses. The point is, unbelievers, what? They they don't have any sensibility concerning their condition. Their degenerate condition. Now, again, let me just stop for you. When we make statements like this, do not take them to the extremes and you just think everybody's degenerate. No. When it comes spiritually, they are. You understand? So, let's go on now. Here's what he's saying then. They're given over to lewdness. That is, they gave themselves over to sensuality. Now, what does that mean, George? Here's what sensuality is. Sensuality is a life without concern for personal standards or social social sanctions. So really, they've given themselves over without any concern to what personal standards are or even to any what social sanctions are. And I know that social things change all the time. What was accepted years ago is not accepted now, and what was not accepted is accepted. And I know that's fluid, but the reality is is they've given themselves over to lewdness. Because in your mind, you might be thinking about some pervert who flashes somebody. That is not what it's talking about here. It's talking about that you have given yourselves over to what you want without any personal regard to what it means for you or the society in which you live in. And that's where we are today in our culture, isn't it? Somewhere in the Constitution it says that everybody has a right to do whatever they want to do. Did you read that in there? I didn't either, but somebody else did. But that's what's going on there. Why? They're giving themselves over. They they don't see it. So what's the whole point here? Our whole point is not to point out what's wrong with them. The whole point is Paul saying, don't live like that. That's the point here. Live differently. You'll say later in the epistles, come out from among them. Be different. Now, we have taken those things and said, Quit going to this place, or quit going to that place, or quit doing this, quit doing that. Folks, it's a whole lot more than that. It's who you are. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It's who you are. We're talking about who you are, not what you do, because, I mean, come on now, listen. I mean, how many of us have been around church for a long time and saw people who didn't do that stuff When we talk about coming out from among them and being separate, it means change. Don't live like, do you understand what I'm saying? Can I tell you what that is? That's pure legalistic moralism. The heart hasn't changed. What we're talking about is who you are. Being different. and that's, that's, That's reflected in more than just what you watch or where you go to eat. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's reflected in your whole being. This is what Paul's talking about here. So, here's what I want you to see. The other thing is they work all uncleanness. Verse 19, he points out that their purpose was to practice every kind of impurity. Let me just say this, because, I mean, I need I need to say this to you. Because when we use words like this, we have to be so careful, because you can immediately think in your mind, Man, all he's talking—he's talking impurity. That's that's all has to do with that sexual stuff. Well, it doesn't. Doesn't at all. Do you you understand what I'm saying? That that doesn't have anything to do with it. Because you can have impure thoughts and have nothing to do with sex. You you understand? When we talk about impurity, we got to think consider what is pure, and that's God and what He wants. And anything contrary to that is impure. Did you understand what I'm saying here? He's he's talking about a mindset here, isn't he? And so he goes on and he says, look, what does he mean by that? Their intent is to indulge in self-gratification without concern for others. So, let, let's be honest. So, what are we talking about then? So, you can have impure thoughts about food. You're not can have impure thoughts about food. Because our whole purpose in food is what? Self-gratification without concern for others. You can have impure thoughts about work. Because maybe you're a workaholic. And... The whole issue is this gratification, what kind of attaboys you can get at work or promotions or whatever. Or the power you feel because you're in charge of people. You know what I'm saying? See, all of that can be impure. It doesn't have to be the sexual thing. Addictions are this issue. Self-gratification without the concern for others. And let me just stop for a moment. Addictions, let's just say what addictions are, folks. Addictions can be to anything, not just drugs. See, let's just stop for a moment. Surely by now we've learned this, but hopefully we can continue to learn this. We have no reason to look down our noses at people who are addicted to alcohol or drugs, period. Because maybe you're addicted to soaps. You know what I mean? Maybe you're addicted to the adrenaline rush from whatever thing you're doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It just is more noticeable with an alcoholic because they're destroying their life, but you're destroying your life by your addiction. This is reality. We all struggle with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some it's just more evident than others. Self-indulgence self-gratification without a concern for others. That's what he's talking about here, working all uncleanness. And so the manner of practice, here's how, here's how they do it. Greediness means a continual lust for more. Now again, we're using the word lust, and so we don't, some of us will just mean, oh, he's talking about, this. no, I'm talking about you being so consumed by your desire for something that you want more of it. For some of you, it's Chocolate. We laugh about that, but that can be serious. It could be soda pop. Well, that's where your whole focus is and your whole thinking is, how do I get another one? Unbelievers have an extreme lust for more without the regard for others. This is what Paul's saying to us, folks. He's saying to you and I... I'm telling you, go back to verse 17. Look at what he says there. I say to you, therefore, and testify in the Lord. So he's talking based upon the authority of Jesus here. Here's what he's saying that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. That word walk there can be translated live your life. You should no longer live your life like everybody else is living their life. You should be different. You see what he's saying? Be different. Change. You say, well man, I've been trying. It doesn't work. Here, here's the thing. It's Jesus is the one who changes us. So you get close to him. And you can find encouragement from other believers to change. Okay, next week we're going to look at, we're going to contrast this next week. When we get into the next lesson, we're going to be looking at the nature of the noon man. Who we should be now. Isn't that wonderful? Here's what I want you to see. The Bible does not just tell you don't do stuff. It tells you what you need to do instead. Okay, let's pray.